0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So welcome everybody to uh, this uh, online presentation of the Word of God this morning. As our buildings are opening, our online service is continuing and we welcome everybody uh, that's joined us, uh, both our uh, regular committed People from Arena and uh, you may be logging on even for the first time. Welcome today and we trust that the word of God will minister to you. And also welcome to our ministry series for the month of November. Five Sundays and five messages are sitting under the banner headline, the banner title of a faith that works when life doesn't. A faith that works when life doesn't doesn't good ministry preaching and teaching in a church is both relevant and pertinent in other words it seeks to be appropriate for times and situations so the the inspired word uh, that we've had for thousands of years still has a genius to speak right into our current experiences I wonder if you've ever listened to a message and asked the question to yourself at the end, what was that about and what relevance does it have to my everyday world? It's a good question and hopefully you don't have to ask it too many times. In the last eight months we could not ignore what has taken place and in the church, in our ministry, we've sought not to do so. We've not wanted to be overwhelmed by the situation, but we have certainly wanted to minister into it. It has, and I'm going to use the word, been an unprecedented time. Not because there's never been a global pandemic before, there has, but because none of us have ever had to live through one, the last one being in 1918. Life has not been normal. The many facets of uh, rhythms and routines have been shaken and changed, uh, and society has been impacted in ways that we could barely imagine. The world of work, I smile a little bit that people have come to understand the word furlough. Uh, It used to be uh, appropriated to missionaries that would take a time to come back from the nation that they were working in uh, to go round to churches it was meant to be a time of rest but often it seemed uh, very different to that as they were going from place to place to place day after day but it was called furlough and of course millions of people have been furloughed for months the pandemic has impacted leisure travel commerce sport education and so we could go on yes even the ability to attend a church building. And of course, we've proved more than ever that church is about people and not about buildings. That said, uh, there's been something good about being able to meet together in community in our buildings. Life has not been working consistently and regularly as we would expect or even hope. And perhaps in this technological age, we felt we were bulletproof to such happenings. But of course, the opposite has proved to be so. And it seems to me that God has really dealt with the brag of man. The most resilient amongst us have found it trying. And at worst, all the well-being statistics indicate that many people are in the grip of fear and anxiety, gloom and despondency, disorientation and disconnection, and it would be crass to ignore and uh, think otherwise. Yet, as Christian believers, we come again to God, a good, good Father, always faithful, who's never abdicated his reign, and when life doesn't seem to be working As we would expect, we can come to faith in God and find that that does. A faith that works when life doesn't. And so over these five November Sundays, we're going to be looking at the book of James. It's a little book tucked away near the end of the New Testament, five chapters, 108 verses, And it's bursting with practical encouragement and empowerment. And it's written to believers in a difficult situation. It was written to boost faith when life was anything but normal. Let me just give you a little background to the author, James, as you would uh, understand. James, the half-brother of Jesus, and the Gospel writings showed to us that initially he was not even a believer. But things changed. He became a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's recorded in 1 Corinthians 15. He was the pastor of the growing Jerusalem church. And here he writes this letter describing himself simply in chapter 1 and verse 1 as a servant, a doulos, a bond slave. To Jesus Christ what a change in James's life and then to who was the letter initially written well it tells us again in verse 1 of chapter 1 that it was written to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations in other words in this first century of growth of Christian life and church it, it happened not without opposition And many of the Jewish believers, particularly the turned to Jesus Christ and acknowledged him as Lord, were persecuted, were scattered. It's what we call the dysphora. And many of them were evicted from their homes, chased out of their towns, facing even the threats of death. Life wasn't working as normal, but faith certainly was. You can read towards the end of the great roll call of faith in Hebrews 11, some of the things that these believers endured. And then the purpose of the writing. So the writer, who had known a complete turnaround in his life to become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, writes to people that are under the cosh, that are finding it difficult And he writes that they might be mature and complete, chapter 1 and verse 4, in their faith. That despite everything, they would be strong and secure in the Lord. And so, we're going to bring five encouragements reflecting faith in God. And the first one, briefly, is faith in testing. Faith in testing. I'm going to read James 1 verse 2. It seems a contradiction, a paradox, but it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let me read that again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And in the minutes that we've got left of the ministry, I'm going to try and help us understand that even in context when life isn't working as normal, we can still know pure joy. Now, in chapter 1 of James, there are two T words. There's testing And also there's reference to temptation. We don't have time to appropriate that this morning. Simply to say that I've heard Christians say, well, you know, I was tempted, I couldn't help it, God made me do it. James chapter 1 makes it very clear that whilst God allows testings, he's not the source of temptation. The enemy is the tempter. And the enemy seeks to cultivate that carnal, fallen side of us to get us to do things that don't bring glory to God. The Bible says that when we're tempted, we're to submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee from us. It also tells us that when we're tempted, there's always an escape route. And the bottom line at times is, That we yield to temptation on occasions simply because we don't want to go through the escape hatch. We get drawn into the fallen, carnal side of our lives. Of course there's forgiveness, but God wants us to be overcomers. One great Bible teacher says, this is the approach to temptation. Expect it, we all get tempted. Detect it, in your heart and spirit and then rejects it and you will overcome but back to testing we have so bowed in a western world to the idol of comfortable christianity that sometimes we think testing is because god's got it in for us or testing shouldn't be happening Or testing only should come very occasionally and unusually. But the Bible shows to us and life reveals that tests are inevitable. They're variable. They come in various guises. And on occasions, they're unpredictable. As we wished each other a happy new year at December 31st, January 1, 2020, who could have envisaged then a couple of weeks later we will have been reading reports from Wuhan in China and then seeing something that seemed fairly innocuous initially literally spreading to the nations of the earth. 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Peter also writing to Christians that were being tested says, do not be surprised if some fiery ordeal comes to test you. Testings are part of the journey of life. And testings, yes, inevitable, unpredictable, but I want you to notice also that they are purposeful. Don't waste the test because God wants to do something deep in all of us when we go through testings. This is why verse 2 is not as contradictory as it first appears. And what is joy? Well, of course, it's more than a cheesy grin or false bonhomie or fake optimism. Indeed, there are times that we can endure seasons of weeping and grieving and yet deep down know an, undil- uh, an incredible joy. Some undefined joy as an undiluted, overflowing gladness. Happiness, as the word indicates, tends to be more determined by happenings But joy is beyond that and takes us through, yes, the good times of life, but also the not so good, with our joy unimpaired. Notice that joy is in God himself. He is the source. And though there are are hindrances to joy, and we don't have time to articulate them this morning, joy can always prevail. There's a little book in the Old Testament, a minor prophet, Habakkuk. And at the end of the writings of his three chapters, he begins to say, if there's no figs on the vine, and if the flocks aren't as growing as we'd like, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And then Nehemiah The man that led the great building project of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And more than that, restoring the honour of God, said in Nehemiah 8 and 10, The joy of the Lord is your strength. How many Christians have proved that in testing times, joy, that undiluted Overflowing gladness has welled up within and it's proved to be an incredible source of strength. So briefly, very briefly, let me try and answer the question, how can we be joyful in tests? How can we have a faith that works in testing when life doesn't? And I want to just give you three things succinctly in summary we can be joyful in testing firstly because we are being shaped we are being shaped it says that when we go through tests tests produce faith faith produces perseverance or as some translations say character and character finishes its work that you may be complete or mature not lacking in anything we are being shaped when we process tests well it helps us to grow up in our Christian faith you see God not only wants to save us conversion he wants to shape us our character. He he invites us to come to him just as we are, but he loves us far too much than to leave us like that. We begin to go on a journey of knowing the stamp of God on our lives, which is the root meaning of the word character in the New Testament. He's not only content for us to camp at the first revelation of salvation, I want to become a Christian, brilliant. The beginning, he's passionate about us growing in sanctification, or the other word for that, holiness, or becoming more like him. And this is not only a beginning, but then a lifetime's journey. And one of the ways that we get developed and honed and shaped is through testing. Listen to this verse that I came across. And I use the word man in a generic sense to apply it to us all. He says this, When when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mould a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods, watch his ways, how he bends but never breaks, when he's good he undertakes, how he, choo- how he uses whom he chooses, with every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out, God knows what he is about." testing is shaping us and then secondly we're not only being shaped but we're being strengthened because it goes on to say in verses five to six that as we go through these testings if we lack wisdom we're to ask of God who will give it to us generously so that we won't be like the wave of the sea tossed about by the wind we'll be strong we'll be stable we'll be firm we'll be unmoving God is strengthening us in the tests we understand that we are not developed in a day but developed daily and as God allows things to come over our lives he is doing it that we may become increasingly strong. If you are struggling today, if you are perplexed, then come to the Lord and ask him for wisdom, and he will give it to you generously. The wisdom of God is not just a case of being clever, clever, and having an answer for every issue, but it's understanding the wise ways of God, that work in our life, not to defeat us, but to develop us. And as we grow in the wisdom of God, it will help us to do at least three things. Number one, it will help us to have reflection. We'll be able to look back in our past and see that it's not being wasted. Even if you are looking at your life in the past with regret, I wish I'd not done that. I wish I'd not gone there. I wish I'd not gone involved in that. God is able to show you that he's been working your past for a purpose. And then he's able to bring you comprehension where you live in the present. And as Christian believers, even in this present time, we will carry something that has an understanding of, of God and then also he gives us vision not just vision to senior leaders in a church not just vision to corporate leaders in business not just vision to people that see potential in others but for you and I to have a vision that will give us an understanding of a preferred future you see we're going to come through this We're going to come through it to a better day. We're going to come through it to a future. And God doesn't want you to be pessimistic about what lies ahead, but have a holy optimism about what God wants to do in your life, in your kids' life, in your grandchildren's life, in your siblings' life. God wants us to be wise in understanding He holds the future He's got it sorted, and we can trust in Him. We can see what others cannot see. And as this wisdom comes to our life, we're not tossed about. We're not tossed about by every article we read in the newspapers or watch on the news or through the chattering noise of social media. We're not tossed about by it all. But God is using testing to make us strong. So, joying even in trials because we're being shaped, because we're being strengthened, and thirdly, because we're being separated. Verse 12 of chapter 1 of James, Bless! is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. We are being singled out for blessing. Not to crash and burn, not to fail, not to be in despair, but to be blessed. There's a chapter in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5 that's called the blessed chapter, the beatitude chapter. There's a number of characteristics of life that God says, if these work out in you, you will be blessed. And I love the Amplified Bible's definition of that word blessed. It's going to come up on the screen, I'm going to read it. He says, blessed. That is, happy to be envied, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, listen, regardless of the outward conditions, regardless of what's happening around us, regardless of the challenges, we don't underestimate them. We don't treat them lightly. We're not flippant. But in all of that, God says, I am separating you. I am singling you out for a blessing. Not only a work that's internal, but a uh, a work that is eternal. In other words, there is a day coming for all those that persevere unto trial when they will receive an eternal reward called the crown of life. Wow, that's for each of us as we endure testing. As I close, another verse for you that I came across. Some of you may have read this before. It says, God has not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all life through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labour, light for our way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing strength, undying love. James was first inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words to people that were in troubling times that because of their devoted faith and commitment to the lord jesus christ recognizing him as the master over the of their lives were literally being endangered of losing everything rolling down the history of time there have been countless stories and many that are current today of people across the earth because of their commitment to jesus Christ that go through testings. Our whole world, seven and a half billion people in this 2020 season have known a time because of a health crisis of testing. Yet, we can come again today to a faith that works when life doesn't and it makes all the difference in my daughter Miriam's house, she's got a plaque that is just on the side of the stairs of the house, and it simply says this: "Today, I choose joy. Today, I choose joy." And as you listen to this message, I pray that even in the midst of your current challenges, personally even as we grapple with the national and international issues that we're confronted with, we'll make a choice and we'll apply the seeming contradiction of James chapter 1, verse 2 and prove that it's not a contradiction, but it's a revelation. That even when we face trials, we can consider them pure joy. And why? Because we're being shaped to Christ-likeness. Because we're being strengthened to truly live wisely. And because we're being separated unto a blessing that will last forever. Keep the faith, even in testing. Amen. And we're going to pray. And both in our buildings and online, every Sunday we make a faith stance to invite people to come to Jesus Christ. And in a moment I'm going to pray. But this morning you may have just logged on. You may have almost done it unthinkingly. You may have thought, what am I doing listening to this message? But God has wanted you to listen today. And firstly, I'm going to say that if you've never given your life to Jesus, down the history of the church, millions and millions of people have surrendered to him. You've tried to work it out in your own efforts. You've tried to be strong in yourself and you realise it's not working. I don't want to promise you that you'll never have a testing, but I do want to emphatically promise you that God will always be with you to bring you through stronger to him and there's a button appearing on the screen right now and if you'd like to give your life to jesus christ why don't you indicate that we'll seek to get some literature some help to you some connection to you that will help you in the first flush of your christian faith the start the beginning and then the developing of your life to reflect the lord jesus christ and across the listening audience today I have no doubts, and I take it very seriously, there are people confronted with a hugely testing time. Will you recommit today to recognize that your faith works when life seemingly doesn't? And in testing today, you make the decision afresh to choose joy. Let me pray. And so, Father, we thank you for the amazing gift to the world of your Son, Jesus Christ. You held nothing back. And we pray today that we'll hold nothing back to you. I pray for people right now that are responding to Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, that you will come in the power of your Spirit to wherever they are, and they will be born inwardly again of your Spirit, forgiven of their past, their failure, their wrongs. And Lord, that they will find a tremendous source of strength of putting their trust in you. And we thank you that the kingdom's being extended again. And the prayer, Lord, extends to every listener online this day. We ask that, Lord, you'd give us a real revelation of what has tried to be communicated in these moments. We come against any gloom, any fear, any anxiety, and we pray that despite everything, there will be an amazing joy that wells up in every heart that will cause us to endure and to be strong in you. And we ask these mercies in Jesus' name.